Tonight, we are going to be discussing a cult classic film, something that uh, has gained a bigger audience in the years since it's gone onto home video. Yeah. This is some film that's a fantasy, a musical from 1971, and it's a translation of a children's book by uh, English author Roald Dahl to the silver screen. And it stars Gene Wilder, of all people, as well as Jack Albertson and a one-time film star, child actor Peter Ostrom. We are talking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Good <clears throat> evening, Toppy. How are you this fine night? I am very well. Thank you. How about you? You know, I'm doing pretty all right. We've uh, gotten just above freezing. It, it might have drizzled out a little today, but I'm okay with that. You know, we gotta you gotta wash out the winter to get your spring, and um, and we've got Easter coming this weekend. Yeah. And <clears throat> can I? Hello, can I come out now? Oh, Ooh. it's uh, DJ uh, Gertie. <clears throat> I, I've seen it already. And oh. I just want to warn you, Gertie chose something for Easter to wear. <laughs> Ger- Gertie, yeah, come come on out. All right. Oh. Peter Cottontail going down the bunny trail. Yeah. Uh, folks, uh, 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 Gertie here has chosen to wear a Playboy bunny outfit. Uh, Gertie? Yes. Uh, it's not exactly the cute Easter outfit that we were thinking of, but, but, but. What? Uh, we'll, we'll go along with it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, fine. All right. Uh, well, let's just say that uh, we know how Gertie maybe paid for some of her college. Okay. Uh... All right. Hey, wait a minute. No, it's all right. Uh, uh, listen, uh, here at uh, Matinee Minutia, we recognize that uh, these are trying times today. Um, but in our world, uh, we decided that we're still going to gather at the Marionette Theater. All of us here. I got my mask on. Yeah, okay. And all of us here. And uh, in our world, it's perfectly okay that we're sitting in the balcony together right dj oh absolutely and um you know but i had that can of lysol handy <laughs> okay you know that works um now our uh, we've got some folks in the uh the chat room we've got aunt tudor and we've got our pal tommy crone was in and out maybe she's still listening maybe she'll be back and uh, uh, DJ Tommy says he's in bed, all cozy and comfy. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it on good authority that Tommy is resting up from uh, overdoing things, and uh, we certainly wish him well. And a friend of the show, um, the Duchess, Maren, stopped by for a moment, and um, I know that she's on the mend as well, as she took a tumble not long ago after taking the uh, the new family dog out for the uh, the rounds and uh, well we we wish them all and we hope everyone is um taking the time that we have right now to be home to rest up and uh, heal themselves yeah can i just say it's really cold in here in this funny costume can i do my part and then put a robe on thank you oh 
All right. Um, all right. Stand by. Uh, we're going to start. Uh, Gertie's going to do the intro. All right. Get yourself down there to those stairs there, Missy. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Young Charlie Bucket isn't like his classmates dreaming about that gotta have new record or new sneakers. He's content with a roof over his head and boiled cabbage for supper. Until the day he learns that the dark and mysterious long shuttered candy factory in town is awarding tours. And suddenly it's a free for all. Well, except for Charlie, that is. But he stumbles upon money in the street. He finds himself with a golden ticket! Grab your favorite sugary snack and hug your inner child. It's time for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory! Hit it, boys! What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen, a pinch of golden oldies, and a smidgen of screaming? It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Yay! Okay, folks, so good evening once again. And uh, the holiday of Easter, or uh, as our Wiccan and pagan friends call it, Ostara, which is the beginning of spring, is is uh, shortly upon us. And what a perfect way to uh, bring those happy thoughts up to the surface here. But uh, yes. a movie. I, DJ, tell, be honest with me. <laughs> you 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 thought of Easter. You thought of candy. You thought of Willy Wonka. Well, you know, even if you're trying to observe a healthier lifestyle, um, the happy points in your life are always the candy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start out with playing the trailer. What I want to say about it is it is not your usual trailer from this time period. There is no narration. It's very unusual, but this is the the original trailer you would have seen in 1971. It is, it's odd. It's different. to hear from you. The world is waiting. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. You're a rotten mean father. You never give me anything I want. I won't go to school till I have it. Violet. Call it, mother. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's not fair to raise his hopes. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? I never dreamed that I would climb over the moon in ecstasy, but nevertheless, it's there that I'm shortly about to be. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden chance to make my way. And with a golden ticket, it's a golden day. 
I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. Little surprises around every corner, but nothing dangerous. Don't be alone. <laughs> There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> He's singing. which direction we are going. Unusual uh, trailer for that period because usually there was corny narration. Well, but trailers were just corny back then, and this trailer was just a series of scenes from the movie. Why they did that, I have no idea, but that is what you would have seen. So, Bill, uh, uh, Billy, that's your <laughs> husband, DJ. <laughs> and he that's is, you. and as you peek over the balcony tonight, he is amongst those who are here to uh, attend yes. the show. Yes, and Crone came back, and uh, like we said, we got Tommy and Aunt Tudor. So, DJ, we're talking 1971. Set the stage for us what was going on oh. in the world in 1971. Okay. In 1971. The Uniform Monday Holiday Act went into act. Federal holidays observed on Mondays. And uh, also in 71, it was a ban on cigarette ads on television and radio takes effect. So it was the beginning of the end of those publishing ads. Yes. Can I just mention this real quickly? Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> Dark Shadows was in production at that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, let's just say that when it was in the six, late 60s, a number of the characters were smoking in the scenes. And then that edict came down, and suddenly no one smoked. Yeah. No one smoked. <laughs> it was just strange. Anyways, please continue. <laughs> okay, so also in 71, Satchel, Toppy's favorite word, Satchel Page, <laughs> became the first Black League player to get voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Also in 71, Congress discontinued funding for the supersonic transport, a.k.a. the Concord. That was a fun movie with Dean Martin in it. It was based on a play. Uh, the first Starbucks opened in Seattle, believe it or not, way back then. Yeah, I, that's 
That surprises me. Uh, the U.S. ended its trade embargo of China, hence boxing in Star Trek VI. Only Nixon could go to China. Yes, please. Uh, the 26th Amendment lowers the voting age from 21 to 18 in the U.S. So uh, now you could uh, go to war and vote. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. dropped the gold standard. You know the uh, the Treasury deposit of gold, Fort Knox. It's empty now, and the U.S. Postal Service was spun off as its own corporation. I think shortly after that, Jerry Lewis might have done a movie about the Postal Service. Hey, baby, baby. wait a bit. Did you, did you just say that our our Federal Reserve of gold bullion is empty now? Yeah, we don't keep gold anymore. It's all on credit. Well, no. No, no, no. The gold is still there. For heaven's sakes, DJ, don't tell the world that that gold isn't there. Do you really want the stock market to... Tomorrow it's all going to be over, folks. Just said, There's no gold. Oh, all, all three people will believe that. <laughs> so uh, after the Postal Service has spun off to its own company... Walt Disney World opened its doors for the first time in Orlando. Uh, and uh, ending out 1971, the beginning of the 70s, Intel, the company that gave us the miniaturization for the home computer to be possible, they released their first commercially available microprocessor in 1971. What does it do? Uh, well... It made everything that uh, took rooms to take up to make the space program fit on top of your desk. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, Toppy, um, in 71, there's a bunch of people that entered the world that are still part of it. Tell us who some of those celebrities were. All right. Uh, we got here uh, Mary J. Blige. She's a singer. R&B music. Got, yeah. <laughs> We got Regina King. She's an actress from 227 and Miss Congeniality 2 with Sandra Bullock. We got Sean Astin, who was in Lord of the Rings. We got Shannon Doherty uh, from 90210. And uh, we've got John Billingsley, happily from Star Trek. Enterprise, which character did he play? He played Dr. Phlox, and he was in a spinoff of The X-Files, the uh, the Lone Gunman. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, we also have Chris Tucker um, from Rush Hour. We have Amy Poehler. Peeler. She's a comic. Mm-hmm. Peeler. Oh, well, it could be one or the other, but anyways. All right. Uh, we also have Renona Ryder, the um, person who loves to um, steal things upstairs. <laughs> from Heathers <laughs> and Black Swan. That's not nice of me, is it? And, um, she, probably, she probably hasn't done that in years. And the the um, the Netflix series more recently, uh, Stranger Things, she's the mom. That's right. Finally, Mark Wahlberg. From Boogie Nights, Ted, and uh, the first um, Planet of the Apes movie. There you go. Okay, the remake there, yeah. So this is 1971 that we're talking about. And because Willy Wonka went on the silver screen, we'd like to tell you what was competing for your attention all those years ago. If you were, if you were of the age that you could have seen this when it came out to the theaters... 
Is it something else that might have been competing for your attention? Well, it's no surprise it was not in the top of the box office. It's actually gotten more success after release on home video. But I will tell you that number one that year was a, a film that, uh, well, it put together a little bit of the, uh, the Western frontier with some martial arts, and it was called Billy Jack, and that got $98 million in the box office that year with Tom Laughlin and Dolores Taylor, his future wife. Number two, it uh, brought in $75 million, and it had a star from a recent uh, topic of matinee minutia, Flash Gordon, starred Topol, and Norma Crane, and it was the film version of Fiddler on the Roof. That was number two. Now, number three, it starred another matinee minutia topic uh, actor, Gene Hackman, who starred in The Poseidon Adventure. We talked about that for our New Year's show. Number three in 71 was The French Connection, starring Mr. Hackman and Roy Scheider of Jaws fame. Now, as I mentioned, Willy Wonka, it wasn't in the top. And in fact, it was beat out by some rather interesting movies. Now, one of these is not a surprise because it's one of my favorites and Toppy and I have actually watched it together. The other one, well, it's a strange film. It's Stanley Kubrick's, so that kind of explains it. A Clockwork Orange beat out Willy Wonka in 71. It brought in $26 million. And Bed Knobs and Broomsticks with Angela Lansbury. That got $17 million. So, Toppy, um, you know, some notable critics had some things to say about this movie yeah. we're talking about tonight. What did Mr. Roger Ebert, of Siskel and Ebert, have to say? Well, before, I, before I tell you that, I just want to back up one second. Mm -hmm. Are we claiming that that weird little <laughs> independent movie, Billy Jack, mm -hmm. was the number one movie yeah. that year? It was. And it beat out Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> And the French Connection. Is that what you're saying? I feel like I'm Gene Wilder. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. A man with a bigger hat beat out the guy with another funny hat. Okay. That's weird. But it happened, folks. Uh, Roger Ebert. Let's say, just read you what, what he said. Sometimes it's interesting looking at old Roger Ebert reviews. He said, probably the best film of its sort since The Wizard of Oz. It is everything that family movies usually claim to be, but aren't. Delightful, funny, scary, exciting, and most of all, a genuine work of imagination. Willy Wonka is such a surly and wonderfully spun fantasy that it works on all kinds of minds. And it's fascinating because, like all classic fantasy, it is fan fascinated with itself. We thought that was kind of a remarkable uh, little review, so we included it here. Um, now, we mentioned at the beginning, JJ, that this film certainly wasn't super popular when it came out but it's gained a lot of fame because of repeated tv viewings and it's just one of those movies that has grown in popularity since it came out 
It has. And you know, uh, a lot like uh, other children's stories at the time, certainly Mary Poppins, uh, the uh, story of Willy Wonka was made because someone near and dear to the the talent behind the film suggested this should be made into a movie. And I'm talking about the director. His daughter said, I really like this book by this English author, Roald Dahl. It, it was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory then, but they changed the name to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for the movie because, well, surprise, there was some marketing involved that we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, the uh, film introduced the song The Candyman, which went on to become a popular hit when it was yeah. recorded by Sammy yeah. Davis. No, Wild Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. That's fun, man. You want me to do my candy, man? Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, Sammy Davis Jr. really petitioned to do that opening song in the movie. He really wanted to do it. And um, every uh, the director, mainly the producer, thought, no, we, 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 don't, we want this movie to have unknowns in it. So they didn't let Sammy Davis Jr. do that opening number. Yeah, it, it, he was too recognizable, and they uh, they went to to great lengths to make this uh, be in a place where it was kind of timeless. And the the director actually stated that uh, they chose to film as few cars in the scenes as possible, so that you're left wondering when this took place. Okay, I want to talk about that for just a second. <laughs> because if you're watching some of these scenes, particularly uh, Charlie at home, th 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 he's walking through these slums. He comes upon this dilapidated, falling down place that's his home. His... <laughs> His grandparents, all four of them, from both sides of the family, are in one bed. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and if there was ever a funny way to express poverty, deep, deep poverty, okay, that made me laugh. That's all I can say. And yet here we have, like, really sad surroundings. But then in, in one scene, he's walking down a street that looks like modern day with modern day cars. It, 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 so at one point you're convinced this is taking place in Charles Dickens era and and then you see modern cars of the day is it, what do you remember that do you remember getting like confused about when this movie takes place yeah because you're supposed to believe that this is a poverty stricken family and of course if it's timeless you're left to wonder you know um where are they and what uh, brought them to this station of life? But yeah, uh, they they do uh, lose a little bit of the detail when they change scenes. So, um, let's... Yeah, I, it was just odd because it, it was very hard to place. Well, it, the thing is, is you thought, okay, this movie takes place at maybe 1910 or 19... 15 and then you see the modern day cars and you go what um uh dj let's play a clip um two 
which is at the very beginning. Pencils ready. <clears throat> Today we are going to learn about percentages. And for an example, let's take the recent unpleasantness. Supposing there were a thousand Wonka bars in the world and during the contest you each opened a certain number of them. That number is a percent. Everyone understand? Yeah. You, Madeline Durkin, how many Wonka bars did you open? About a hundred. There are ten hundreds in a thousand, therefore you opened ten percent. You, Peter Goff, how many did you open? A hundred and fifty. That's 10% half over again, which makes 15%. Charlie Bucket, how many did you open? Two. That's easy. 200 is twice 100. Not 200, just two. Two? What do you mean you only opened two? I don't care very much for chocolate. Well, I can't figure out just two, so let's pretend you opened 200. Now, if you opened 200 Wonka bars, apart from being dreadfully sick, you'd have used up 20% of 1,000, which is 15% half over again, 10%. <laughs> so the nice thing about that scene is that we can all relate to Charlie because he's, he's being embarrassed right in class. He has to confess, basically, that he didn't buy 200 or 20. He, he bought two candy bars. Why? Because he didn't have any money. So here's all these other kids around him that are buying, you know, a hundred and whatever. I don't know how many candy bars, but poor Charlie can only afford to get two. And why does he want it? He he wants this golden ticket that everybody wants, but he wants it mainly for his grandfather. And do we know why, DJ? Didn't his grandfather work in the factory a long time ago? Yeah, there are moments where, uh, because Charlie's father is no longer with us, or at least that's implied, uh, there are quite a few father-son moments with Grandpa and Charlie, and uh, he's telling him about when the factory used to be opened and what happened that one day the doors closed to the public, that, you know, the... the, um, the owner, the the guy that runs the place, Mr. Willy Wonka, the mysterious man behind the operation, somehow figured a way out because all of his secrets were getting stolen by the right. employees. He, he he did it in a bitter move. He just said, get out. All, all of my employees, I don't trust you anymore. Get out. I'm closing. And it was a very bitter thing to do. Yeah, and uh, in the chat room, uh, Billy has mentioned something, and actually it was uh, brought up in the clip that you played there about the candy bars that people were buying. Now, there is a scene in the movie where uh, Charlie is having a birthday, and he receives his gift, but it's much alike when a parent goes shopping for the kid, and, and you know you tell your mom or dad or whoever raises you, this is what I really want. And then they do their best to get you what you wanted. Nowadays, you've got specific names. I want a Furby. I want an iPod. I want an iPad, whatever. But back then, it was, you know, I want the the sweater with the stripes, and it's in this color. Well, uh, did you happen to notice, Toppy, what Charlie received after very clearly being told the golden tickets are in Wonka bars. What he received? Well, well, didn't didn't 
his grandpa or something didn't they save money to buy him one they gave him yeah well he received a gift and it had the wonka packaging on it but when he opened the candy was it a wonka bar gosh i don't remember tell me in the chat room hubby has posted a picture and clearly this is not the candy bar this is basically something that if you um, if you if you have an eight foot screen like we do, <laughs> and you can watch it on Blu-ray, you notice that what Charlie unwraps basically looks like a moon pie. So if uh, if his family had paid any attention to him and he told them that it was in Wonka bars, they didn't pay it enough attention because they just simply bought him something made by Wonka. Didn't realize. That's not going to have a golden ticket, and it has to be the candy bar. Okay, I I need you to clarify. <laughs> Are you telling me that this is just something the producers overlook? We think so, but I think that it has a convenient coincidence because parents are all the time buying the wrong thing for their kids when they ask them point blank, what do you want for Christmas, for example? And then, of course, the occasion comes and you got the gift giving and the kid's disappointed because you didn't get exactly what they wanted. It was a little different. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I certainly didn't get any of that from the viewing and I probably didn't notice. And I just thought that they got him a candy bar and there was no ticket in it. Mm-hmm. So let's get uh, quickly into uh, the cast. Mm-hmm. So start out there with our main man. Oh, right. Well, Miss Willy Wonka. Oh, right. Gene Wilder played Mr. Willy Wonka, the mysterious candy maker that closed his doors because everything, all the secrets were getting stolen from him. And he was born and raised in Milwaukee, Miss Wisconsin, the, the hometown of Laverne and Shirley. And uh, before Willy Wonka, his film that he had done in 1970 with Margot Kidder was called Quaxer Fortune. And, uh, well, after Willy Wonka, he did something called Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex. Now, this was a Woody Allen picture, and it starred the ever-famous lady from uh, The Woman in Red, Lynn Redgrave. Mm-hmm. And uh, in more recent years, now Gene Wilder has since passed on. Um, he, he lived into his 80s, but he passed away a few years ago. He, uh, he was not on the silver screen in more recent years before he passed. He, he had a battle of cancer that he survived for a time. But his last theater release was a film called Another You. And this was in 91. And it starred his often uh, co-star, Richard Pryor, and former Miss America, Vanessa Williams, who was later on uh, Desperate Housewives. And Mr. Gene Wilder had 37 total acting credits on the silver screen. And leave us not forget to mention um, his collaborations with Mel Brooks, uh, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frankenstein. Oh, yes. So uh, he he was, you know, a box office draw in his time. Uh, so let's talk about Jack Albertson, who played Charlie's grandfather, kindly grandfather, Grandpa Joe. And uh, he did a film prior to Wonka. It was Rabbit Run in 1970 with James Caan. 
And shortly after Wonka, he starred in The Poseidon Adventure, which we did here. Manny! <laughs> Manny! And uh, and most famously for, for many people, he, he, he was a Broadway star. He was a stage star. A lot of credits to his name. Very respected. But is, most people know him from his TV series, Chico and the Man. And uh, well, he, he did a voice acting job, The Fox and the Hound, shortly before he passed away. Uh, DJ, who played our little Charlie? All right. Well, uh, the actor who played Charlie Bucket, the, the uh, poor soul who couldn't have everything his friends had, he was played by one at a time, and that's because he only did Willy Wonka. Child actor Peter Ostrom. He was in his early teens when he did this. Uh, it was actually mentioned in some of the things I read. He was in about sixth grade, going on seventh. And, uh, well, this was his only role. Later years, he went to, back to school, and he became a veterinarian. And he, among uh, the other child actors in this film, have been... Uh, very uh, participatory in the reunions that have occurred every few years. Uh, right. And and I think um, kind of famously for people who are really into this movie, as far as the children go, the, the actress that played Violet uh, recently passed away. And uh, that was highly... Um, what I want to say, uh, acknowledged, and, and there was lots of remorse from the Willy Wonka community over her passing. Um, uh, let's just uh, mention, uh, because this is one of your favorite scenes, DJ, mm -hmm. uh, Diana Sowie. She played Mrs. Bucket, Charlie's father. I mean, <laughs> Charlie's mother. mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was uh, primarily had a, th a theater background, uh, but she did... Okay, get this. Long, long, long after uh, Willy Wonka, she was in another movie in 94. Yes, I said 94. And it was clear in present danger with Harrison Ford. But uh, there is a scene Charlie has with his mother, and you, you noted it as one of your favorite scenes. Talk about it. Well, uh, the, it's after um, Charlie has been to school and he's learned about the contest that's going on and he's uh, he's returned home for the day and uh, he's just hanging his head low but he stops by to see his mom because she's the pillar of the family she's who's holding things together she's got um, you know both sets of her parents living with them in their thatch roof house that's falling apart and she's a washer woman she's doing other people's laundry to make ends meet and um Charlie drops by to to see how she's doing on his way home. And, uh, well, you know, Charlie, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is technically a musical. So she uh, she has a scene there where she's singing to him as he's on his way home because she's worried about her boy. She she wants him to make out good in life. And uh, she she knows he's going through a difficult time. OK, very nice. That is a nice scene. Um uh, let's talk about the creative team. Uh, we've got the, um, uh, 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 the director, Mel Stewart, and uh, he, he has got uh, 54 directing credits. Uh, he passed in 2012. Um, 
but most of his work is on television. And prior to doing Willy Wonka, he did I Love My Wife, 1970, with Dabney Coleman and Brenda Vaccaro. Brenda Vaccaro! Yes. Uh, what did she used to sell? She used to do a commercial for... Hello! What did she sell? She sold something on TV. Anyways, never mind. Hi, I'm Brenda Vaccaro. Uh, fil- uh, <laughs> uh, his only film after this was... Uh, one is a lonely number with Janet Lee and Melvin Douglas, which I've certainly heard that name, but I've known nothing about. I want to just say something about the producer, David L. Wolper. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is another guy mainly involved with television. And I really was surprised to see his name come right up at the beginning uh, because I, I know him from television. And most of you probably too. He's the guy on TV that was behind productions that were major, big miniseries, big, big deals on TV. Roots, The Thornbirds, North and South. Those. That's where I remember seeing his name on all those huge, big TV deals. So, DJ, let's talk about our, our poor writer, Roald Dahl. Now, actually, before we get on to the writer, Toppy, I do believe we're a little over halfway through the show. All right. So, so we, uh, we have a moment here. Uh, let me uh, cue this up. Alrighty, folks, if you will join me over here at the concession stand where Gertie has all your favorites, we're going to uh, entertain you for a moment with uh, this little clip that we've put together. Toppy, go ahead and uh, introduce this for me. Uh, This is uh, the scene, um, the big reveal scene, when Gene Wilder, as Willy Wonka, brings the entire troupe, his entire entourage, into the factory center. And we see the chocolate waterfall, and we see just this garden of what turns out to be edible candy goods. And he lets his, his tour group run wild and uh, just start plucking things out of the ground and eating them. And Gene Wilder sings a song while this is going on. Here it is. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation, what we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it 
also the um the tune they used at the beginning for the main theme uh dj i was about to talk about the writer mm -hmm. I, I, I described him as our poor writer so let's talk about why is he our poor writer Roald Dahl. why why do we feel sad for him you might have to fill me in on that but i i know oh, i i'm just he hated this movie. Oh yes, yes, yes. Now, he hated it. He, it should be noted that uh, Roald Dahl was in on the creative team that was translating the book to the silver screen. However, the director went on the record as saying um, he was a little slow with turning out the pages. So they brought in the the big guns. They brought in Mr. David Seltzer to do the treatment of the screenplay and. He, uh, uncredited so Roald Dahl is, is the only name uh, as the writer but mm -hmm. but yes David Seltzer was brought in as kind of a pinch hitter and uh, he incorporated some elements to the story that of course Roald Dahl didn't appreciate because he was changing the original including some of the various quotes that Willy Wonka made while he was giving the tour of the factory and these are quotes from literature so of course uh you know, an author of Mr. Dahl's uh, stature wasn't going to be paying homage to others. He's telling a children's story. Yes, and uh, he he disowned the film. He disowned the film that he wrote the screenplay for. There's even a story that Roald Dahl was traveling and staying in a hotel somewhere, and he happened to notice on TV a movie was playing. Well, in a few minutes in, he recognized the movie, and uh, well, the channel got changed. <laughs> Mwah. <laughs> um, so just, just uh, he, this is how much Roald Dahl 
expressed his hatred for this movie. He, he basically said, there will be no sequel, no remake of any sort, because I don't ever want to see it. And if you want to do it after I'm dead, fine. I don't give a damn. So he, <laughs> he, no one was able to redo this until he died. And eventually, of course, he did. And eventually they did remake it like 12 years after his death. Same was true with Mary Poppins. The author couldn't stand what Walt Disney did to her story. So she said, uh-uh, you're not doing any of the other books. Right. Let's, let's talk about that clever little marketing scheme, because this is so schemy and this is so, I don't know, uh, but it, it actually, it, it was a marketing scheme that fell right on its face. And so there's some humor in it, but uh, David L. Walper. So he made a deal with Quaker Oats and it was to make a candy bar. Um, and, um, they made it, Quaker Oats made the stupid candy bar, uh, in its Chicago based, uh, breaker confections, uh, subsidiary. And, um, which is, I guess still there. And they actually renamed it Willy Wonka candy company. And it's since been sold to Nestle. So there are actually Willy Wonka candies and, and stuff. Oh, I could tell you what some of those are in a little bit. All right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Walper persuaded Quaker Oats um, that, that had no previous experience in, 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 in the film industry whatsoever um, to buy. This is how he financed the movie, folks, to buy the rights to the book and finance this picture for the purposes of promoting. And here's what Quaker Oats would get out of it. The Willy Wonka bar. What's funny about it is that this bar would melt in very, it didn't have to be that warm for it to just melt. And it would melt in the stores on the stand and they would sell it and pick it up and it was kind of mushy. And so they were all removed from the store shelves and it was a big fail. <laughs> so that's the, the funny side of it. And, you know, on the sets, the candy bars that you saw, most of them actually were little blocks of wood painted to look like chocolate. Oh. <laughs> and uh, actor Peter Ostrom that played Charlie went on the record as saying they were in Germany filming this or Switzerland in parts. So they were in uh, basically the heartland of candy making in Europe. And did they give them any of the local treats? No, no. They imported the candy from America, and it was all stale by the time it got there. Gross. <laughs> there was a lot of um, fake uh, confections, especially in the scene where Gene Wilder is showing the tour group his land of edible treats. And there's this one nice little thing that Gene Wilder does. He he takes a, a petal or a, or a flower and plucks it and it becomes a little teacup. And then after he drinks from it, he nibbles on the teacup because it's edible. Well, it wasn't edible. <laughs> and he had to bite into it and pretend to chew it. And then after the take, he would spit it out. And of course, he had to do this many times in many takes. 
So <laughs> And you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Toppy, uh, not only did Quaker Oats go to great lengths to market this candy in promotion of the movie, but the wrappers that were used in one scene when uh, Charlie is on the street opening the bar with the ticket, yeah. if you pause it in just the right moment, you'll see the wrapper actually says Quaker Oats Company on the copyright. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's cute. Um, let's just talk briefly about some of the people that were thought of to be cast as Willy Wonka. Because... You know, there's there's some talk about they didn't want anybody known in the movie, and by that time, uh, Gene Wilder had had started to get a reputation in some small movies. I guess he wasn't super well known, certainly not well known uh, like he became in Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. But um, uh, all all six members of Monty Python. Uh, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, Michael Palin. They all wanted to play Willy Wonka. So they were quite famous at that time in England for Monty Python. Um, and and yet they they the producers said, well, okay, everybody knows you here, but internationally nobody knows you from S. And... Um, and there were uh, one of the most famous people, um, some of them, Fred Astaire was considered, Joel Gray was considered, Ron Moody, John Pertree, who I don't even know who they are. Um, uh, they were considered for the role of Willy Wonka. And, and Peter Sellers was begging uh, the writer, Roald Dahl, to be... Willy Wonka. And the one thing I didn't ever find out is why. Why did they go with Gene Wilder? I never could find that out. Hmm. Now, I will tell you that John Pertwee is someone of note in England because in the 60s, he was the third actor, only the third, to portray Doctor Who. And it was in the first color episodes. All right. Okay. I good good catch. Um, let's let's just talk about the movie a little here because we're coming towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel there was anything weird about the Oompa Loompas? I mean, were they like slave labor or what? What is the deal? <laughs> were they just deliriously happy to slave away in this factory? For what? There's brief mention in this movie of the origin of the Oompa Loompas in dialogue only. Right. Did they show show visuals? No, uh, they they just, uh, it was a a tie-in with the background of the characters where Mike TV's mother is a history teacher. And so uh, Willy Wonka was talking to her about Loompa land, where the Oompa Loompas came from, because it was a horrible place. And, of course, she said, well, there's no such place. And, of course, she's standing right in the middle of a factory where, you know, most of what you see is edible. So, yeah. And part, part of Willy Wonka's history is that he was somehow stranded there and he met the Oompa Loompas and they were... 
I guess they were the Oompa Loompas were very sheltered and they're uh, private and their country or place was being invaded by outsiders and Willy Wonka said come with me and I'll I'll protect you and make you happy. <laughs> then they've kind of slaved the rest of their life for this guy. <laughs> well, but, you know, they, 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 it's like a child labor, you know, they, they didn't know that uh, they could be making $15 an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you I'm know, it, it raises a good point, though, because uh, there are some darker elements to the Willy Wonka story. And, and uh, that's probably one of the reasons why it didn't do so well when it first came out. Because uh, here's a children's classic, and all the parents are concerned because it's well known that there are some dark takes on the story that have been done by the director. And Willy Wonka is sort of an odd man, and uh, even the children playing the characters were a little afraid of him because that famous scene with the boat ride, a few of them thought that Gene Wilder had lost his stuff because he played it so convincingly right well one of one of the ways the director wanted to get authentic reactions from the children is that they cleverly and maybe monstrously (laughs) the director chose not to tell the actors the the children actors that gene wilder was going to go off his gourd and yell so they didn't know he was going to do that and they were genuinely shocked and afraid of him (laughs) Jesus and it should be noted that it was actually sort of part of Gene Wilder's contract because when he auditioned for the role he had an idea in mind of how the character is going to be introduced to the audience and that of course is that iconic scene on the day of the tour he is walking down from the uh, the factory along the red carpet and he's got a cane and everyone is thinking it's been forever since these doors were open what has happened to this poor man and then of course what happens toppy well he 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 slowly makes his way down this red carpet to this gate that is holding back crowds of people and and the crowd goes to a hush no one's saying a word because this is the first time they've seen Willy Wonka in person many of them for the first time the older people you know they haven't seen him for years and he appears to be this lame frail man suddenly Willy Wonka leaps up from his feet does a somersault comes back up and he holds his hands out triumphantly he's not lame at all it was just a gag it was just a weird wacky thing that he decided to do and uh, gene wilder said that the reason why he wanted to do that is because he wanted everyone to wonder if he could be trusted from that moment okay then let's talk about that all right I remember watching this when I was a little kid. It was when it was on TV. I I never saw it when it was in the theater. And I freaking, that, if that's what they wanted, that's what I felt. I freaking didn't know what to make of this guy. I didn't know whether to like him or not. Because at one moment he seemed sweet, and then the next sort of diabolical uh, 
it was weird how did how did that strike you by the way when did you first see this oh this is one of those countless movies that i saw probably on a free preview weekend of a movie channel because of course my folks out in the haystack we didn't have more than basic cable and we knew when that free preview weekend was coming because the ads ran all the time and you you waited for the weekend (laughs) but uh you know much like yourself i i wondered about that character willy wonka there and and um you know, it, it stands to reason that since it is a children's story, it's going to be from that perspective. You know, as a child, adults are weird. Of course, you don't think of this is what I'm going to become. They're just, they're alien creatures. Your kid, your parents, they're otherworldly. They do strange things. They pay bills. They go to work. No, you want to sit and watch TV and have your cereal and your cartoons and, uh, you know, I think it stands to reason that, um, you know, the reason that Willie did this, of course, the way he did was that he wanted to find somebody who was worthy of his estate. And, of course, he puts Charlie through the ringer to make him the last one in the contest to, uh, you know, survive elimination, I guess, if you want to put it in a reality show. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, a reality show where there's... Uh... They get voted off the fan. Right. So, you know, only a, uh, a somebody who is pure of heart is going to trust somebody to that point where they think there's got to be goodness in this person, even though they're out of their gourd. He yeah. probably didn't mean that. And DJ, let's hold this thought. Let's play, before we go, mm-hmm. uh, clip five. And, and here's the very end of the movie. This does not have spoilers, so it doesn't spoil the end for nobody who's seen it. Mm-hmm. But it establishes finally at the end of the movie, okay, this Mr. Wonka is flipping nuts and I don't like him. Play it. So much to do, so much to do. Invoices, bills, letters. I must answer that note from the Queen. Mr. Wonka, what's going to happen to the other kids? Augustus, Veruca. My dear boy, I promise you they'll be quite all right. When they leave here, they'll be completely restored to their normal, terrible old selves. But maybe they'll be a little bit wiser for the wear. Anyway, don't worry about them. Yeah, what do we do now, Mr. Wonka? Oh, yes, well... I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Excuse me for not showing you out. Straight up the stairs. You'll find the way. I'm terribly busy. Whole day wasted. Goodbye to you both. Goodbye. What happened? Did we do something wrong? I don't know, Charlie. But I'm going to find out. Mr. Wonka? I am extraordinarily busy, sir. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the chocolate. Uh, the lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, 
I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc. Fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc. Memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You're a crook. You're a cheat and a swindler. That's what you are. How can you do a thing like this? Build up a little boy's hopes and then smash all his dreams to pieces. You're an inhuman monster. I said good day. All right. Let's unpack this a little. Okay. All right. All of the kids at some point on this tour do something they're not supposed to do. And they pay for it either by exploding uh, and getting juicy uh, like a big blueberry or uh, getting shot out of a, um, a chocolate streamer or, or whatever. Okay, fine. They don't deserve the prize. But here we have Charlie and his grandfather, who also do something wrong. They stay behind in a certain area and decide for themselves, hey, let's have some of this fizzy drink that they've been told not to sample. And they do. And then they start floating, and then they got a burp, and they do go up to the ceiling, and they do bump into it. So they've done something just as wrong as all the other children. Can you and, and, and chat room audience, can you please tell me why Charlie gets picked? Why is he any different? He did something wrong, just like all the other kids. Yeah. I, I was thinking that, uh, you know, uh, just to pick this apart a slight bit more, certainly... When the remake was done, and we won't spend long on this, um, there were different elements of the story brought out, and some might say it was true to the book. Uh, of course, one of the things that's revealed in the remake with Johnny Depp is that, uh, that one of the reasons that Willie is so odd was that he was an awkward child. His father was a dentist, so basically candy was forbidden. And of course, when you're told you can't have something, you want it even more. Now, uh, the, the other element, uh, and again, Chetra, please, uh, any theories. The other element in the movie is, um, from the very beginning, there is the sinister character lurking in the background that meets all of the uh, children. And he's something sinister. And it turns out what he wants is he wants the kids to go in there and steal something and bring it out so that he can unwrap the secret of Willy Wonka's candy. Mm -hmm. And and presumably, I don't remember any scene, but presumably all of the kids do, except for Charlie. Mm -hmm. is, is, is that... I don't think that it's very explicit, but... Uh, I think he's the only kid that doesn't try to give away a secret to this guy. Yeah, I think that in that moment where Charlie is in the office and we just heard him being yelled at, he handed back 
the the everlasting gobstopper to Willie on his way out because he's he's been told to go home basically you know you don't you're not worth my time little boy go home you you stole from me and he gives him back the gobstopper and I think that that act is is maybe what caused Willie to to think you know maybe he is worth it although he must have suspected all along because he eliminated everyone except him mm-hmm. and then i think the final challenge was would he hand back the gobstopper and i and he did so anyways it's weird and i agree the sequel with johnny depp makes it much darker and puts in a lot more background to Willy Wonka including torture right <laughs> yeah so it's very dark very dark so uh, in in general um how, how do you like this movie recommend it what do you say oh I I I thoroughly enjoy it you know we're we're going through some difficult and dark times right now and just like the story of Willy Wonka, you, you might feel like you're alone, but uh, there are quite a few happy moments in this. You know, somebody who's down on their luck gets an opportunity at happiness. He finds his golden ticket, and even though his friends are better off, he's got a chance to do something amazing, and he gets to share it with the most important person in his life, his grandpa. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, on on the recent viewing I had of this movie which was just a few months ago I started thinking about all these things and I was talking to someone else about it too and we just started talking about all these weird aspects and we also talked about the sequel with Johnny Depp that I saw right after this movie and and that that that's what brought up all these like hell there's like there's so many weird things about this movie, but as a kid, uh, I'll just say that it's quite enjoyable. The ending makes it all worthwhile, and uh, you know, I definitely recommend it too. And uh, it, it's really quite a delightful, delightful movie. So uh, as we uh, get towards the ending here, folks, we like to go to a section we call our snack tray. These are things you might like if you already enjoyed Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'll go first, and uh, my related recommendations are going to be based on the cast and the genre. So uh, I'm going to recommend another Gene Wilder film because I uh, I enjoy many of his films, including Blazing Saddles. But there is a film that uh, Gene Wilder did in 76, so a handful of years after Willy Wonka, and this was a movie he did with Richard Pryor called The Silver Streak. And uh, basically it's a whodunit on board a fast-moving sort of bullet train across country. And, yeah, uh, and that was his first teaming with Richard Pryor. And it sort of it set them up as a popular duo. Uh, yeah, he, he did several films with them, and uh, it was like lightning in a bottle. Some of the interviews that I've listened to uh, have have just 
you know, detailed that uh, they they were just a uh, team with chemistry. So, uh, and because Willy Wonka is, let's face it, a, a story for children. Another story that's a kids movie I enjoyed was done uh, at the end of the 70s. Now, uh, this was a movie with Katherine Hepburn in her later years. And uh, it's called Ollie Ollie Oxenfree. Now, it's it's not very widely known, but it came out in 78. And basically, this is a, a lady who's an older woman that runs a junkyard. And uh, the neighborhood kids come along and uh, their grandfather has passed away. And he loved hot air balloons. So she helps the children build a hot air balloon in time for what would have been their grandfather's birthday in memory of him. And that was Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Interesting. I'd like to see that. I recall it when it came out in the theaters. And it, it wasn't a hit by any means, but uh, it was remarkable in, in that it was a Katherine Hepburn movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so my recommendations are certainly... Um, listen, I say watch the remake with Johnny Depp. Uh, some people think it goes astray, but but uh, I think it's a worthy um remake. Uh, also, uh, check out Roald Dahl's other musical from that era. Uh, Chidgety Bang Bang, which we've done here right on M- Matinee Minutia. Um, also, uh, another uh, musical about children with a, ch- a, a poor, poverty-stricken child as the main character. Check out the musical that was based on Charles Dickens' book, Oliver Twist. And it is known as Oliver from 1968. Uh and stars Oliver Reed as the villain. Uh, this is a wonderful musical in a way that Willy Wonka is a musical, but never achieves the height or majesty of, of Oliver. Uh, Willy Wonka has got some songs in it, <laughs> um, and they're, they're fine. But uh, Oliver is a sensational musical about a very poverty-stricken uh, poor child. So I would check that out. Yes, and uh, just looking over the balcony, Janet in the chat room, friend of the show, has uh, recommended another film, and it's a Roald Dahl story of Matilda, which has Danny DeVito in it. So uh, check out Matilda. I'm going to go grab those coins now. Mm-hmm. They're magical. All right, Toppy, we're going to go ahead and get that in the machine. All right, let's uh, open the capsule. All right. All right, then we've got our next movie, folks, which is going to happen on a Friday, April 17th, folks, two weeks from tonight at our usual time. We're going to do a lovely uh, comedy called The In-Laws from 1979. It stars Peter Falk. It stars Alan Arkin and a great team. On the eve of their children's marriage in New York City, in-laws 
Sheldon Compton and Vince Ricardo embark on a series of misadventures involving the CIA, the Treasury Department, and Central American dictators, and comedy ensues. It's a modern-day screwball comedy, folks, directed by Arthur Hiller, and uh, it's a delight. So uh, that's what we're doing next time on Matinee Minutia, The In-Laws. And Toppy, peek over the balcony and let me know who was in our chat room tonight. We're very happy and thankful to have been joined by our pal Tommy, um, our uh, friend Janet, your husband Billy Starsage, and our ever-returning guest, Aunt Tudor. And uh, we thank you all for being here. And uh, by the way, there's uh, uh, this last picture posted by Aunt Tudor is the little girl that was in uh, Willy Wonka. And I think she did this scene in Dark Shadows shortly before she did the movie. And um, forgive me, I'm forgetting your name, but that's uh, that's the girl that turned purple and there she is with Barnabas Collins (laughs) and she had a problem getting a date when she went back to school because all the makeup uh, seeped into her pores Uh, well Toppy would you say goodnight Gracie goodnight Gracie thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at matineeminutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or let us know how we're doing. Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net.